Hello, hello, and welcome to episode 37 of the Mo Money Podcast. I'm your host, Jessica Morris, of course, and uh, thanks for joining me. I've got a freaking awesome episode for you today. Um, I don't know about you, but I love me some Netflix. I love watching all the documentaries they have on there. And one day, not too long ago, I was, you know, kind of going through the video library, and one movie that kind of caught my eye was called tiny a story about living small and it was all about building tiny houses i'm like yep that sounds like my jam i'm gonna watch that watched it loved it loved it so much that i'm like you know what i'm gonna i'm gonna do something crazy and try to contact the filmmaker and see if he'll be on my show so we could talk about tiny houses and i guess i was just lucky but he got back to me and he agreed to be on the show and guess what he's on the show today so today i'm interviewing christopher smith the filmmaker of tiny a story about small living and we're going to talk about how he got the idea to build his own tiny house and how he you know got into this world of filmmaking he actually wasn't a filmmaker um, by trade before uh, making the documentary but it was crazy successful and yeah we're going to talk about all that good stuff right now thank you christopher for joining me on my show today i really really appreciate it of course it's great to be here Awesome. Um, so, yeah, let's kind of dive in. How did you get involved in the tiny house movement? Well, it actually all started when I bought some land up in the mountains of Colorado. Mm-hmm. And really, what it, I was at this point in my life where I was sort of reevaluating what was important to me and what my dreams were and what I wanted to pursue in life. And it occurred to me that I always had this long term vision of owning my own. A piece of land in the mountains and building mm-hmm. a house with my own hands on it. And so I thought, why not start working towards that now mm-hmm. instead of, you know, I think we tend to look at our life goals as a series of steps that are going to get us there. And we work really hard at going to school. We work really hard at going to grad school. Then we work really hard in our career until eventually we're making enough money to make it happen. And I thought, well, what if I just started at the beginning and worked really hard towards that end goal? Mm-hmm, and exactly. Ex- yeah, so I, 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 one day, just kind of on a whim, I went and looked for some land in the mountains, and I found some, you know, really affordable land, mm-hmm. and it turns out I could actually just, you know, put a little bit of money down that day, and then do an owner carry for a few years, and then I would own it. So oh, nice. I just kind of on a whim did that and, and put down the money, and, and so really, uh, the tiny house project came out of you know, looking at it and saying, now I have this land, how do I achieve the next part, which is building the house? And with what I have now and the resources, you know, at my disposal, and since mm-hmm. I didn't have a lot of money or a lot of time or and no experience building anything, mm-hmm. I thought a small house would be best. But when I actually called the, the planning department to kind of uh, suss out what would go into doing that, I learned all about the building codes and, all the steps I'd have to take and how much money that would be. And even a 600 square foot, which was the minimum that you were allowed to build on the, on the land there and pretty much anywhere. And, uh, that alone, you know, required, um, basically, you know, digging at the altitude, I had to dig like really deep Mm -hmm. footings and, and it basically was out of reach. And Mm -hmm. so I remembered reading an article in yes magazine back in 2009 where it featured Dee Williams in her tiny house. Mm -hmm. And it kind of clicked to me right around then that that is why people build tiny houses so small and on wheels is because it 
kind of it falls under a different set of laws and kind of circumnavigates away those um, those building codes that were made it, the project prohibitive. Okay, so it's it's based. I, I actually didn't know that there was a minimum um, square footage that your house had to be. That's interesting. I thought you could just kind of do what you want if you're building the house. So that's really interesting. Oh yeah. And so that's a big component you, of the story, actually. Um, yeah. Maybe worth just um, touching on for people mm-hmm. to know. But basically, in most, depending on where your land is, it falls under any number of jurisdictions from your city to your county to your HOA to the state. So it varies property to property, but almost all counties in America have uh, a basic like 600 square foot minimum rule. And mm-hmm. most cities, it's bigger. And most HOAs, it's even bigger than that. So in fact, the minimum in a lot of places is more like 1,500 or 2,000 square feet. Wow. That seems really big. And it could just be because I live in a really small apartment. <laughs> no, it is. And, uh, you know, it, it's not necessarily, it wasn't meant to be a bad thing or restrictive. It was, it kind of came out of the post depression era, 1950s mentality that we're a prospering, prospering society and people shouldn't have to live in tiny squalid tenements anymore. And Mm. so they passed these laws to kind of protect people from being forced into terrible living conditions. Wow. That's really interesting. And I guess that kind of does, um, you know, explains why everyone has this kind of obsession with these McMansions and just these huge houses. Exactly. Wow. That's really interesting. So what I'm interested in, so you kind of um, decided that, you know, building a tiny house on wheels was kind of the way to go. Why did you decide to build it yourself from scratch? Because I feel like I did a, a little bit of research of like maybe a few years ago, and I think there are some companies that kind of do some of it for you. Like you don't have to do it all yourself. There's kind of like a kit you can buy, but you did every single thing yourself. Why did you want to do that? Oh, well, those companies didn't exist back then. Oh, they didn't? Oh, okay. <laughs> well, that's why. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, part of it for me was the process of building the house. That was one of the things on my bucket list, you might say. Yeah. And uh, so so that was always like number one. Even if the even if they did exist, I wouldn't have used them. And, you know, at the time there were some, pl- some companies, uh, Tumbleweed Tiny House Company, that mm-hmm. uh, sold plans. But I wanted to design it and do everything myself. Um, and, you know, it was, it's, it was sort of a, you know, coming of age kind of a process and the process was the the point for me. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so I, I, in the years, so this was in 2011 when I started and, mm-hmm. you know, back then there, there were people who had built tiny houses, but it wasn't a, as nearly as common. I mean, there were maybe a dozen as opposed to now when there's like thousands of them. Yeah. And, uh, you know, so also, you know, I, I think like you see all these really great innovative designs and stuff now that weren't, I didn't, I, w- I wasn't able to really borrow ideas from because they didn't exist yet. So that's why mm-hmm. mine's a lot simpler. And, uh, you know, plus it was within my, what was within my ability to, to actually build. Mm-hmm. How did you come up with a design for your house? Did you just, like, how did, did you copy something that was kind of floating around or? Um, you know, not really. There was, you're kind of constrained by the size of the trailer if you're building mm-hmm. a tiny house on wheels and you know, there are, there are certain dimensions. And so you're in there. It's like, basically you start with a rectangle. Yeah. And, uh, at the time I was looking at what other people have done and sort of choosing what I like best from each one. And then also was thinking about how I was going to be using the house and modifying it to suit my use of it. So I kind of ended up with the one I did because I was building it for a high altitude, cold environment, 
and also something that I could do within my limited skill set and, uh, you know, of construction expertise <laughs> or whatever. And uh, I was also, um, you know, I also wanted to build it green and, and I was kind of trying to think about ways in which I can work in reclaimed materials and therefore, you know, one of those things that you can get are used windows. There's, yeah. um, it's one of the things that are really easy to find and they're really expensive when they're new. So I actually bought the windows first and kind of designed, you know, some of the house around the windows that I found. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> Very economical and thrifty. I like it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so how long did it, uh, cause I remember you had an idea of how long it would take you, but it actually took you quite a bit longer. And I, I'm assuming a lot of that reason is because while you were building this house, you were actually working full time at the same time, right? Yeah. I, so part of the reason why it took so long is that one, I had no idea what I was doing or how to estimate. <laughs> and, uh, two, I, I was kind of learning as I was going along. I was working actually part-time more than full-time. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I was finishing my master's degree at the beginning. Oh, wow. That's a lot. Yeah. I had to do a thesis in the first couple of months. Um, oh, wow. and, uh, you know, and then also I kind of ran into some financial trouble on the way cause I was self-funding it. Yeah, so exactly. it was a kind of a, you know, a number of factors that contributed to that. And, and you know, I was awesome. Uh, well, we were making a film about it at the same time. So for the first few months I was going out there alone and kind of just setting up a camera and then doing some work. And then, so when you factor in the time it takes to like do that extra <laughs> step too, it, it added to it. Yeah, no kidding. So you were finishing off a master's and filming yourself, build this house and working part-time at the same time. That's mm-hmm. ambitious, <laughs> but you did it. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, it, even from the beginning, I did have help from Marette. Although in, mm-hmm. in the early days, since the point was to like, you know, do it all myself, I was, I, w- I started out by trying to build the house without anybody's help. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, and so as the year progressed, Moret came out and to the building site more and more until she was there every day. And, and we yeah. <laughs> ended up finishing it together. But in the early days, it was, it was really just me, some tools and a camera. Um, yeah. yeah. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing. However you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Um, so what, ins- what made you want to um, make a documentary about this experience instead of just doing it? I guess you were a filmmaker. Is that what you were studying in school? Actually, no, I was studying public administration. Oh, very different. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Uh, so what happened was that I, I had done filmmaking in the past, though, and mm-hmm. um, was kind of part of that whole reevaluating where I was in my life and the things I wanted to do was I was kind of gravitating towards um, – I, I guess I didn't really intend to get back into filmmaking as a career, but I wanted to – experiment more with it as a hobby. And so I bought a DSLR camera to start filming things. Mm-hmm. And I kind of gave myself a project of, I, maybe I'll make a short documentary. This was at the same time. I don't know what I was thinking. Um, but <laughs> it, you know, I, I couldn't really, I was, I was trying to figure out what to make a short documentary about. And Marette suggested making one about the tiny house project. Mm-hmm. And 
needless to say, I was a little skeptical or hesitant only because, well, for a couple of reasons. One, I didn't really want to make a film about myself. Uh, two, you know, that means I would actually have to do the tiny house project yeah. and follow <laughs> through, fair. you know? Yeah. And, uh, and three, you know, I, I was, I wasn't exactly sure how good of a film it would make. Cause you know, it's like really at the end of the day, it's building a house. I thought it was kind of mm-hmm. like building a, a shed, you know, and we'll <laughs> think that's interesting. But, uh, you know, I was like, yeah, I, I'm down to, let's, let's, let's make a film about this, but I, you know, I, you should do it with me. And so we ended up making the film together. Yeah. And so you, you initially thought it was going to be a short film, but then it ended up being a feature and then kind of, it seems like it's kind of taken on like this huge, you, you know, it's way bigger than you expected it to be. Cause it, you know, opened at South by Southwest and it's done really well and it's on Netflix now. Like it's crazy. Yeah, no. Yeah. Thanks. You said it, said it right too. Cause we really, we thought we were going to make a, 15, 10 minute film, maybe a 15 minute film at first. Mm-hmm. And, you know, early on when we were making the film, we met with some friends that we knew had been involved in that movie, the Cove. Mm-hmm. And they suggested that, you know, if you want to get inspired, you want to meet the right people, you got to s- stop what you're doing and go to mountain film, which is a film mm-hmm. festival that happened to be, uh, happening like a, a, you know, a few weeks after this conversation. So we decided to buy some tickets and we went to mountain film and, uh, which is, you know, found this incredible community of like-minded people and got really inspired. And then we came back and we're like, okay, our one goal is to make a short film that's good enough to be in mountain film. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, mountain films, a is a pretty prestigious festival and not that easy to get into. So we thought mm-hmm. it was like a, you know, a manageable goal in terms of a short film. And then also a kind of a stretch goal, which is getting into this, you know, decent festival. And, yeah. uh, you know, so then that it it grew from that into a feature film, <laughs> yeah, and, uh, and then daring to even submit it to bigger festivals like Sundance and South by Southwest, which are you know the biggest festivals in the world, yeah. And um, and we didn't know anybody or you know in in those at those festivals or in the industry, and we didn't really know how this the, the game, so to speak, really was played. So we just kind of, we kind of got lucky in a lot of ways and we just submitted it through the slush pile and it got in. And so it really has been a series of, uh, fortunate events. And, and <laughs> absolutely. And, you know, besides the film now you and, uh, Marit also go and speak about your film and the tiny house movement. So you're also, you know, educating people about this lifestyle, which I think is awesome. Yeah. That was sort of an accidental byproduct. Um, <laughs> you know, so you're- I mean, as a filmmaker, a documentary filmmaker, you oftentimes end up doing that kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. But, you know, in, in some respects, you know, we're, we became kind of more, um, for maybe for a while, or maybe still, I don't know, but we were kind of figureheads, I guess, in the tiny house movement. And it was sort of by accident rather than by design, because we started a blog um, primarily to draw attention about our, the film we were working on. And also because we wanted to do a Kickstarter and we wanted to um, kind of build that audience in advance of the Kickstarter. Mm-hmm. But because we did that, we kind of put ourselves out there. Um, and then, you know, because we were in the movie and then the movie ended up, as you said, getting on Netflix and, you know, it's mm-hmm. been seen millions of times. But it's just like all of a sudden, you know, we became the thing that we were interested in, <laughs> if that makes yeah. sense. Like we didn't set out to be... Um, 
like experts on tiny houses. Exactly. But. Yeah. We, we, we just thought the experts were cool and we wanted to make a movie about them. And, yeah. uh, then it kind of, you know, did a weird flip on us. And then all of a sudden, uh, we're being asked to speak at places and, you know, and, and I have to say that, you know, when you, when you do a documentary film, you do kind of become an expert on the topic because out of necessity, you kind of have to. Absolutely. And you um, built a house from scratch. Like you've got, you're an expert. <laughs> thanks. Um, but you know, we do try to recommend the people who are, you know, the tiny house experts when it makes sense. Like if somebody wants us to talk about, you know, true, you know, what it, from a perspective of somebody who's been living hardcore in a tiny house for years and, mm-hmm. you know, has dedicated their life to like minimalism stuff, we oftentimes will refer to them to some of the people who are in our film or whatever, just because, you know, we're filmmakers first and foremost and tiny houses kind of second. And, mm-hmm. uh, and so we like to provide more of the 30,000 foot view rather than, um, claim to be the like the go-to when it comes to tiny houses you know mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you mentioned something interesting just about how some of these tiny houses you know they live permanently in their tiny houses but uh i'm assuming since the film you know um got released and it's been a few years uh where is your tiny house and uh you know is it still in colorado do you live there full time what's are you a permanent tiny houser <laughs> well <laughs> uh you know when we were building it for the movie and, and when you hear me in all the interviews in the film, I basically was building it because I had this land up in the mountains, but it was really remote. And mm-hmm. so it was really meant as this kind of mountain getaway that I would kind of have long term that I could go back to. And, and it would kind of be that even if I moved in my normal life places, it would be this place I could return to. Totally. But after we, it ended up on the land and we kept it up there for about a year, but then, um, and we went to New York to do post-production. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then, you know, I, I never really wanted to live in New York. And, uh, you know, and I realized that it really wasn't for me. And uh, we were traveling around and doing the film festival circuit. And so I, I didn't really want to pay rent anywhere anyway. So we ended up moving it back to Boulder where I then would go stay in between festivals. And then I ended up just living in it for basically about a year as I worked. Uh, I worked on this film that, Actually, it'll be on the Discovery Channel in a couple weeks called um, it's called Racing Extinction. And while I was working on that uh, as an assistant editor, I was living mm-hmm. in the tiny house. Uh, so awesome. I did live in it for about a year, and it's still still there outside of Boulder. Mm-hmm. And I go back and I stay in it as much as possible. You know, I'm probably in it a month or two out of the year. And uh, but but currently, my home base is Los Angeles, where I'm working on my next film. And Marette is living in New York where she works on her film projects and she also directs stuff for other people. That's awesome. I Well, I think that's actually really cool. And that's probably why I'm so drawn to the tiny house movement. And I talk to my husband about this all the time. Like, we just need to buy some land and we can figure out how to buy it or build it or something like that. But I would love the idea of, I mean, we're probably always going to be city dwellers just because of our jobs. But I love the idea of having a space of our own that we own and it's ours but it doesn't have to be big. And so I like the flexibility that these tiny houses, you know, you don't have to live in it permanently where if you buy a regular house on land, you're kind of stuck there. And that's kind of the thing that always kind of freaks me out. But with a tiny house, you've got the flexibility. It's actually on wheels. You can actually move it somewhere else if you want to. That's true. Mm -hmm. So it's pretty cool. So I actually wanted to, since you are, you know, very well-versed in the tiny house movement, I wanted to kind of get more into some of the benefits of, you know, 
incorporating this into your lifestyle? Like, obviously, there's financial benefits, there's the mobility. And also, um, I know on your website, uh, you mentioned a couple of times that, you know, it's a lot of it is based on living a more deliberate life, which I think is a really cool way to um, describe it. Yeah, that's right. Um, yeah, I mean, t- choosing to live in a tiny house is definitely a choice. And it, I w- I'm careful to, uh, to tell people that it's a, it's a great lifestyle or a great living situation for some people at some times in their life. Mm-hmm. I think that there's this idea that if you move into a tiny house that you're, you're this hardcore minimalist and that you're like deciding on that lifestyle for life. And then when people move out of tiny houses later on, they kind of – people view them as hypocrites or something. Right. And, um, and I don't think that, that that's necessarily the best way to look at it because, you know, our lives change. We, our families grow. We, we lose money. We gain money. We, uh, our ability status changes, like maybe we aren't able to climb the ladders to the loft anymore or something like that. Mm-hmm. So I think tiny houses really are well-suited to some people and, uh, and, uh, or, and, you know, different times in their lives. And, um, but I think that there is a, a certain deliberateness that, that you need to take in order to make that decision because it's not entirely easy. There are things that you have to manage, you know, like the amount of stuff you have and, uh, what your lifestyle is like will look, you know, differently than it does if you have a large house. Um, mm-hmm. And so that's that's a choice that you have to intentionally make. And and I, th- I think what's great about it is when you focus your attention on your lifestyle like that, it is a sort of meditative practice. You know, it's a lot like Buddhists who live in monasteries, although not quite that extreme. But mm-hmm. you know, you're working through your daily routine and um, you know, actively choosing those simple things in life, you know, like how, how you're going to, you know, cook dinner or how you're going to clean. Um, and I should mention that in a tiny house, that doesn't necessarily have to be that different than a large house, but there are certain considerations that you have to be deliberate about. And and anyways, I think that whole, it draws attention to the process of living, which Mm -hmm. is often lost with all of our technology and convenience and grocery stores that I think is actually really healthy and a lot of people are drawn to that. Absolutely. I, I, I absolutely agree with being drawn to, and I, I, that's kind of my frame of mind. It's like, I would love to just, you know, ex- really enjoy the moments, the little micro moments in our life. Cause I find the day to day, especially living in a big city, you just get, you know, weeks pass by and you're like, I don't remember what happened last week. So I think that a lot of people, especially in our generation are definitely drawn to kind of a, a simpler, uh, way of living that's not just, you know, full of stuff, but more meaningful moments, really. Yeah, that's that's a, very true. Yeah. Um, one uh, more question before I let you go. I'm just curious uh, if someone, you know, maybe me, maybe someone listening is thinking about, you know, kind of doing what you did and building uh, or, you know, getting a kit or whatever to build their tiny house. What kind of pieces of advice would you give them that you wish you knew before you started? Uh, that's a great question, and um, well, I, you know, it's funny that you say that. We actually have a, an ebook on our website, which oh, awesome! Uh, it's basically it's called a tiny bit of advice, and it's uh, it's the premise of it is that it's all the advice, or uh, it's like it's answers to the questions we didn't know to ask when 
starting the tiny house project. I'm, gar- uh, I'm going to read that. That sounds amazing. Yeah, definitely. I'll send you a copy. Um, but basically there's a lot of, a lot of things that I could give advice about, but I think the thing that jumps out the most is really kind of, um, being sure about your decision and, and, uh, you know, maybe trying to minimize your life in other ways first to see what it's going to be like. And then it's about when, if you're building your own house and designing it yourself to really think about what is necessary to you, like what's, what's, what are needs and what are wants and what are the wants that you kind of need and, uh, really designing your house around that. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then also maybe just going and spending some time in, in a house or two if you can and, and seeing what you like or what you don't like. Yeah, I think that's a very important thing. Go in a tiny house first, if you like it, and then maybe build it. <laughs> I should probably do that. <laughs> totally. And, you know, I, I think there are all sorts of great solutions out there now that I didn't know about or didn't exist back in the day. So living in a tiny house, you don't necessarily have to do without a lot of the conveniences in a larger house. Like there are people who have, you know, laundry facilities, you know, large fridges, uh, running water and toilets. So there are, you know, it, it can be basically a normal house. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. Great. Well, thank you so much, Christopher. I really enjoyed chatting with you. Yeah. Thank you. I enjoyed chatting with you as well. And thank you so much for listening to episode 37 of the Mo Money podcast. Uh, My guest, my awesome guest, Christopher Smith, make sure to check out his, uh, the website for the movie, tiny-themovie.com. You can find out more information about the documentary there, um, even purchase it. And uh, yeah, check out the show notes for this uh, episode at jessicamorehouse.com slash 37 to find out a little bit more about Christopher, about this episode, about his movie and a bunch of awesome, awesome stuff. Thank you again for listening. And guess what? I'll see you here next Wednesday. This podcast is distributed by the Women in Media Podcast Network. Find out more at womeninmedia.network.